a couple episodes back to back I'm sitting in my sister's bedroom still and I'm literally <laughs> ramped up I was saying to Laura humble beginnings because I'm I'm buried under a, my microphone is stacked on my mom's textbooks I'm buried under a pile of bills I am still wearing my really weird bathing half bathing suit half pajama outfit and um I think you yeah you need to um you need to take a shot of it and maybe we'll use it for later it's almost too embarrassing I know my my scene's pretty pretty grim but I <laughs> but I just had an ice cream and it was amazing oh I still haven't eaten I will I'll eat after this well that's your like is that your dinner that's not your dinner yeah that's my dinner we know this I do this it's I late it's like 10 p.m there I know I didn't have dinner it's I'm all I'm on a weird uh eating track this week and um Anyway, I'm I'm good. Okay. I, you know, I had pistachio ice cream for dinner, and oh. that's, I'm so I'm ready to talk. Oh. Pistachio. I know. So, um, what do you want to start us off by just kind of explaining um, to the listeners what it is that we're actually going to be embarking on? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So we thought it would be it would be good and interesting and uh, all that to talk about the steps, the twelve steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk. We're going to break them down one by one and and go through them and uh, talk about if we had experienced them if we had worked them, <laughs> if we had, you know, what our experience was, if we had, you know, and, and if we think it's important. And um, I think the, this is going to be an awesome conversation because we've had very different paths and uh, feelings about, about different aspects of the steps. And, and I'm, I'm kind of pumped to do it. I actually had many conversations in my head thinking about how this might go. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I think it'll be awesome. And we're going to, you know, we're going to start with step one. Well, before we do that, I, I want to say like, I actually like, I, I do have a question um, yeah. and, and I'd like us to kind of talk just a little bit more about it. So, so the way we're going to break it up is, you know, we, we basically decided to go one through one and for each one, each of us is going to say, how do we interpret it? Whether or not we've done it, what was it like? And what's been our experience doing it? And if we think it's necessary. That's right. I want to preface, I would, before we go into it, I want to say just as a concept, I want to ask you how you feel about it. Like, what does it mean to you? Because I, I would like to also explain how I feel about it. And just so that everyone coming into this, before we just go into the steps, I'd like to oh, yeah. like, what is it to you? AA or 
No, the 12 steps. Like, what is it? Is this your destined path? Is this like how, you know, I just want a little bit of background and how you feel about the 12 steps in general and, yeah. and, and, you know, and where you are in them and, and, and if you plan to work, you know, I just want to know, I want to know the good. Okay. So no, this is good. This makes sense. So the, the 12 steps to me, um, I, did know a little bit about the steps before I came to AA because my dad had been in AA and I had the big book sitting on in his house since, you know, when I was 15 and I'm, I was curious. So I read it. Um, and I've had a lot of friends who've been in recovery, but I, what they are to me now, they, I feel like they are, they're very simple. Like the wording is very simple. Um, but the concepts are like concepts of a lifetime. You know, you could, you could study them and work through them and that's, it's designed that way for an entire lifetime. So sometimes I read them and I say, you know, I'm kind of already doing all of that in, in, to some degree. And sometimes I read them and go, I, I don't really know what that means. Um, so to me, they're, I don't know if it's my destined path, but it's definitely been a good, solid roadmap to break break um, down the experience of going on this path for not just people in recovery. I think for anybody, because they're really there's there's mention of drinking in one step, two steps the, after that, there's no mention of alcohol. So to me, it's really not so much about, uh, recovery from alcohol. It's, it's just kind of how to live a better life. So that's how I look at the steps. I, that's how I feel about them. I don't, you know, a big piece of the steps that, uh, a lot of people have get turned off by is there's mentions of, there's mention of God, higher power. And I never struggled with that. And we're going to talk about that a lot, I assume, when we get to step three. But I, I love, I've always felt very spiritual. I've always had a, a strong connection to that. And so that I was never adverse to this concept. I actually loved it and embraced it. Um, and so for, to, for me, uh, the steps feel like a way to feel closer to my God, my version of God my higher power, my, the universe, you know, and, and I will, I want to talk about that too. Like, I want to talk about what your concept of God is, what my concept of God is. Um, yeah, but I, I feel that this is my way to stay connected and in line with, with God. Um, the 12 steps. Yeah. And it's not the only way <laughs> that I, that I stay connected, but it, it, that is the unsuspected prize of this path for me is, you know, conscious contact with God and that's wording from the steps. So, so there's that. And I, I feel, you know, I, I feel like it's a blessing to be able to have this language and way to speak about living my life. So that's what it is to me. And I could say more, but that's, that's, I think a start. What about you, lady? I, you know, I would say that um, I just, I was asked, and I've written about this before, I was asked many times 
if I had worked the 12, it was just kind of the thing, you know, if I was struggling in anything, the default, you know, would be, oh, we'll have you work the steps yet. Right. I'm, I was asked that by yoga teacher. I was asked that by two yoga teachers. And I just, you know, I think I've gone on before where I just, I felt like that was such a shortcoming to me. And I was so defensive about it for so long um, that I, I felt just judged and uncomfortable because, I mean, the truth of it all was I was curious if I needed to. Right. I, I still I, I think I struggled for a long time thinking, is this my ego being out of control? <laughs> right. And is this just my ego saying I don't need to work the 12 steps? And um, I would be very like um, I was very defensive about it for a really long time without really even understanding what the 12 steps were, but just really tying it into uh, the, the my whole experience with AA. And I, I had a very, um, I'd say, significant experience when I posted um, when I came out with all of my stuff and I posted, I posted a link to my, my, what had been an anonymous blog. And one of my friends went back through my older posts. And one of them, I was just talking about being in a bit of agony with my family. And it was, it was a lot of pain from all sides, not just from what I was doing to them. And also, but just in, in our dynamic for a while, which is, is now healed. But, um, she sent me an email that just said, I feel like you would be really well. I think you would do your family a favor, basically, if you work the 12 steps. Mm-hmm. And that was the kind of the, the crux of it for me was it's like that if I just worked the 12 steps, I would make everyone happier, right? Or if I worked <laughs> the 12 steps, then I would apologize to everyone for everything wrong I had ever done. So I had a very, like, I would say, um, visceral reaction when anybody asked me about it and a very defensive reaction for a lot of different reasons and for a while. And I just didn't even, I didn't want to know about them. Right. I just didn't right. want to know about or even explore it. And what's just so funny is as I've gotten, as I've taken time to go and actually read them um, and taken time, which I, I'm just not that well acquainted with them, but I have obviously read through them multiple times and I'm familiar with them. Um, not to the point where I could recite them, but I am. And I've, you know, I've come to, I guess, a place where I realized I've done a lot of this work, right? Yep. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, and I've actually had a lot of people say that some of my stuff is just regurgitation of the 12 steps when it's not a regurgitation because there's just no way it could be because I wasn't familiar with the 12 steps. The stuff that I, you know, have like experienced, I guess what I'm saying is it's just like when I read the Bhagavad Gita or then I go and I read A Course in Miracles and I'm like, this is the same stuff. Right. Well, there's universal truths about how we get to a better path, right? It's a spiritual path. It's a very, very like, it's a very like step-by-step, you know, process to get into a spiritual path that happens to have something to do with drinking. And so, um, absolutely. So I, I would say, um, it's just kind of one of those things where I've now gone through, I've gone through each, you know, multiple times and kind of, you know, laid my peace with each. There's some steps that I just wore, I'm not going to lie. And um, especially because I look at this and I don't necessarily just speak on behalf of women. I'm not just speaking to women, but I do have, you know, my experience is as a woman that's living mm-hmm. in 2015. And these steps were written by men in 1939. And so there are some, 
you know, some very high barriers for me. And some, like I said, there's just steps that I abhor, like that I just, I outright say, no, you don't need that to find God. You don't need that <laughs> from alcohol addiction, which we'll get into, which we'll get into. So, yeah. So yeah, I am, I would say I have fire in my belly about it. Um, but I also have done a lot of this work. Yeah. And I think one thing I really want to make clear is like, this is, we are not, what we're not doing is debating AA. No. And and we don't have zero interest in doing that. I I know we both feel that it's pretty pointless. Um, I, what we are doing is talking about sort of the, the, the language and how it's laid out and the, the themes behind, you know, really big themes behind the, the words like powerlessness. And I know we want to talk about amends and I know we want to talk about, um, higher power, higher power and what that means. So, so that's what we're talking about. And I think this is stuff that we, we actually end up talking about a lot anyway, not just not framed in the language of the 12 steps. And what I hope to do with this is just, you know, weave in our own experience, but, um, I, you know, personally speaking, as much as I, I, I have connected with the, the 12 steps, I, I don't, it is of course not the only way. Um, and I want to like, I want to expose a, a lot of different angles. So, yeah. so are we, I think that's, I think we want to start. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So I'm going to have you go first. Um, and do you want to like just answer the questions on your own? Um, yeah, let's just, so let's, let's, let's read the actual language of step one. Okay. I happen to have it right in front of me, so I will read it. Okay. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over the alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Yep. Okay. So do you want, yeah, I'll answer the questions first. So did I work this step? The first question is how do you interpret it? Oh, okay. So I have to say the, how I interpret this is today is different than how I interpreted it maybe from in the beginning, a little bit, not too much. Uh, the, the word powerlessness bugs me, uh, in the beginning, Um, because I thought it meant that I was powerless. Uh, and I since, you know, and it's funny because they're pretty simple words, but what it says is I'm powerless over alcohol and that I know to be true. Like I am, I am powerless after I have alcohol in my system. If I, if I take a drink, I'm, I'm powerless over it. I, it sets off a whole, a whole thing in me. And it doesn't necessarily look like, you know, I just lose my mind and I'm off and I'm, you know, going to drink until I pass out or or throw up. Sometimes it doesn't look like that at all, but it sets off a mental cycle, you know, like the obsession of drinking and um, it might take a day or it might take a year, but I'm, I'm, I'm heading off to a really bad place. So I am powerless over alcohol. I take that as there's this thing that I don't, you know, I don't know why I don't need to know why, but I'm powerless over it. I don't have control over myself. I lose aspects of me, my behavior, my mental, um, state of mind, my physical well-being, and my spiritual well-being when I drink. 
and then that our lives had become unmanageable. <laughs> this is interesting because it's almost like, I mean, there's no doubt my life is unmanageable, was unmanageable when I was drinking. And I almost, like, it's such, I don't want to be, it's such dumb language um, in a way, but it made, it just makes sense to me. It's like, yeah, my life is pretty unmanageable and it's got nothing to do with, it's really not even when I'm drinking. I mean, sure, it's unmanageable when I'm drinking, but it's all the time when I'm actively in alcohol addiction, my life, I couldn't manage a, th- a thing. So I, I interpret it just pretty literally. Um, the big shift for me was saying, it's not me that's powerless. Like I'm powerful. And I, I had a, a reaction to that at first. Um, but it's, I, I see it now and, and feel it now as yeah, I'm powerless over alcohol. No doubt. No doubt. So, all right. So that's how you interpret it. And then I guess the quest, the next question is, did you do this step? Every day. It's the only step I do every day. It's a, it's, it's the step I do every day. I mean, I, I get on my knees in the morning and I say, help, help me, help me stay. And it's not stay. It is stay away from a drink, but <clears throat> that's not where I am right now today. Uh, in terms of like, I need to, I I worry about, or I, I have a craving to drink all the time. I'm not, I don't feel like that. Although sometimes I do. And I know we differ that way. I asked to be, um, to line my thinking and my actions with, with God's and to be devoid of things like self-pity and, um, you know, to tell the truth, to act the way that God would want me to act. And I, I feel like I'm almost sounding evangelical and it's kind of freaking me out, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's the prayer, um, from a course in miracles is to show me, you know, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say? And to whom that's basically the prayer it's help. So I practice the first step every day. I, I, I don't ever want to forget that I'm powerless over alcohol. Um, we're not even into really the higher powers talk. So you got your, it's creeping me out how evangelical you sound, which I'm totally kidding. Um, no, um, okay. So then. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. Well, uh, you know what? It's not, it's, I mean, it's such a big part of this. Like, you know, like here, just the truth is it's not just about finding God. It's not, it's just, that's a piece of the puzzle and, or finding something outside of ourselves. Right. Like. But it is such a, I think for those of us that like that find that, um, it's just such a big part of it. It, It's not even a big part of it. It is it to me. It is it. And that is not like, I, I, I think when we get to step two, we can talk about what our concept of God is because that is really important. And it, the concept of God that I grew up with in the Catholic church is not my concept of God now, um, so I want to talk about that later, but 
let's yeah, yeah but no but it isn't but I have to say like finding connection is is a piece of it but also so is minding your nutrition right and so mm-hmm. is, you know like being meditative I don't think it's it is it I think it's I think it's you know I mean it, ah, anyway okay so yeah it is it for me it comes down to that for me like if I don't have that I'm screwed with everything else so well, I agree I agree with that I agree with that um okay so the last is um what was it like and what was your experience doing? Like kind of finding that, right? So what was, what was it like admitting you were powerless over alcohol and that your life had become unmanageable? And, and what is, what's been your experience in that? I mean, you kind of mm-hmm. went, just went into that, but I guess maybe back up to like that point of mm-hmm. we're actually able to take that step, right? Yeah. Uh, I think it's really easy for me when I first came to AA and went to a meeting you look, I looked at step one and it was like, yep, yep, check, you know, moved on. And since then, um, I, I don't skip over it. You know, it's not my experience of it because I had the first time I came to it into a meeting was like July of 2000, 2013. And I didn't put together, start to put together sober time until September of 2014. So there's a whole year in there where I basically did a lot of research on how powerless I was or was not over alcohol. And, you know, what that looked like was I can go out and have some drinks and it doesn't, you know, nothing bad's going to happen. And I proved that some, a lot of times nothing bad happened, but my insides started to get worse. Even if I didn't crash a car, which I'd done, even if I didn't text somebody, even if I literally sat in my apartment, my condo, whatever, and drank by myself and didn't talk to another human being, there was damage inside. And I was powerless over that process happening. And I, and that to me, and and I was powerless over, like I many times found myself, I'm going to have like a bottle of wine or whatever which sounds like so flippant to just say, I'm going to have a bottle. But to me, that was no big deal. And I would end up going and having another bottle that same night and sometimes two. And I had no control over that, over how much I was going to drink. And I really didn't want to have control. So I did a lot of experimenting with like, yeah, I don't, I'm not powerless over this or I am or whatever. And what I realized is that I just am, I don't, You know, my thing for me was I loved drinking and then getting ready for bed and taking an Ambien and what would happen or two. And what would happen is I would get into like Ambien can have this weird effect where you kind of trip a little bit and, and you're, it feels, it was awesome. I mean, I loved the feeling of it and I would black out and then I from what I can put together after the many nights that I did that is I would drink anything else that was in the house and I would text people. I would contact people on Facebook or whatever, call people. And I would have zero memory of that. And I would wake up in the morning terrified of what I was going to find in my phone. And oftentimes it was really embarrassing and really shameful. 
just because, you, you know, saying things I don't want to be saying or talking to people I don't need to be talking to or whatever. And I would wake up and go, never again. I'm not doing that again. But I would start drinking that afternoon or that next evening and I would do it again. And I did it hundreds of times, hundreds, that same cycle. And so the powerless, and that, you know, this was after I'd gone to an AA meeting. So, and I knew, so the concept, while I could say the words, I didn't really believe that I was actually powerless. You know, some part of me just was not really connecting with that. And by the time I stopped, I knew, you know, I knew like, I, I am powerless over this thing. I don't have, it's not, it's not like, there's no amount of willpower that's going to change that. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't something that was wrong with me. I just don't, I just don't. And what a relief, you know, finally to say, I just don't have power over this thing. It has got me. I don't have it. And I don't need, I don't, I can't have it no matter how hard I try, I'm not going to have it. So that's my experience of it. Um, when I, when I accept it and I do every day, it is a big relief, not a defeat to me. It's like a, it is a surrender to win type feeling. So, yeah. So that's my experience of, of working it. And the last question is, do you think it's necessary? How do you feel about it? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> do I, do you think, do you think I think it's necessary? <laughs> so Laura, tell me, do you think it's necessary? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can skip right past that. Yes, yep. it's necessary. Okay. All right. Step one by Laura. So, so yeah, let's, so let's flip it around um, to you and why do I get nervous before all this? Okay, I'm nervous. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. How do you interpret it? How do you interpret step one? Well, I agree with 50% of it. Uh, like I, I 1,000% agree with, with the first part of it. I think the, word, the wording is terrible. And so I interpret this step, I think when, we, when I step away from the words that are there, I... I take this that um, for for me, this is this is probably where where the twelve steps and I align the most, which is I think that you just can't mess with it. I just I don't. I think you know I, whenever I talk to any you know potential one on one client, you know the question is always really do you are you still trying to fit this in your life? Are you mm-hmm. still in this? stage of, of trying to just not fall down staircases, right. Or just not black out in a night. And, or are you to the point where you just want it out of your life? Right. And I won't work with somebody that is still in that stage because you cannot work towards sobriety unless you are full on board for sobriety and you can't get there unless you have come to conclude that you can't fuck with it. And so for me, I think that we admitted we are powerless over alcohol. We admitted that we can't drink is the number one, is, is, is the number one thing that you have to do. You have to be able to see a problem to be able to fix a problem. And so I am full on board. I, you know, and we can talk about, you know, harm reduction or moderation management or something at another time, but just. Can we not? I know. I don't even, you're right. I never want to talk about it. 
Um, there can be a podcast for that. Um, yeah. Someone else can do that podcast. Um, yeah, no, I just, for me, it's just so obvious. Like you, you have, like it's Gabby Bernstein said it best in this one thing that she did on addiction, which is you have to know what you can, what you can't fuck with. And that is it. It is, you have to know you can't do this. And so, um, and, and for me, that is, that's kind of the, the essential way that I stopped drinking, which was I made the, the decision to not tangle with it anymore. I had been spending my whole life trying to make alcohol work and it never right. It never worked. It always ended up the same as you. I mean, I would, I would do, and I think most everyone can agree with this, that we wake up and maybe it's a hangover on a Sunday and we say, we're not going to do it the next weekend, or maybe it's an everyday thing. Right. 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 I think everyone that has faced some sort of, you know, problem with drinking can, can, you know, can identify with that. I'm not doing it again. Then you find yourself right back there. And um, you know, the only way out of that loop is just, you know, and for me was, was saying, I'm not doing this anymore. And then never questioning that decision. Right. So I, I know I can't drink. I know I can't drink and I am not going to try and test it out again anytime soon or for the rest of my life for that, you know, for that matter. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so I interpret it as that, as just knowing that you can't drink and it's not, there is no other, like you, like you'd said in that article, there is no third door, right? Like, <laughs> there isn't. Um, Right. And that's, you know, that's why it's step one. Nothing else is possible without that. That's um, right. That's right. So, I mean, I interpret that, um, you know, and I also, that our lives have become unmanageable. I, I, again, I, the choice of wording, and I'll get into that in just a second. Um, maybe, no, let me just get into that now. I think the fact that we, the word powerless is there is, is, is so deeply misunderstood by so many people. And I also think it's just a really poor choice of words, right? I think that most people are feel so powerless already when they get into a situation where they need to break an addiction and that the first thing that they need to admit is powerless. And if it's not very clear what they're, that they're admitting just simply, I'm powerless over alcohol, um, it, it can be a very disempowering thought. I'm powerless. You know, for me, I feel very powerful over alcohol because I don't drink it. I don't consume it. When it's me and alcohol and I say no to it, that's where, you know, that's where the start of my power happened. And so I, I think so many people at the start of this just need the message. That they're very powerful. And I think that a lot of people actively misconstrue this. And I'm not just saying, you know, people that don't really know. I mean, I've, you know, like there was a guy on Twitter that basically that said one time, like, Holly, you're wrong. You're powerless. You know, admit it. Your ego is talking or something. I don't know. I mean, there's just this culture yeah. of like, you're powerless and you're not powerless. You're powerless when you rely on things external from you to get to find power. Yes. But, but the truth of the matter is we are internally deeply powerful individuals. Um, and it's when we, when we remove the things that we're grasping for, right. You know, I used to try and find my power from men, from money, from career, from drinking, from drugging, from all of it. And I was powerless because you don't get real power from anything outside of yourself. It's unstable. Um, when I turned, when I turned away from alcohol and I said, I'm not doing that anymore. And I started to rely on internal, on, on internal things, right. Nothing outside of my, like not nothing, but when I started to rely on the stuff that's inside the well of strength inside, and also the well of strength that comes from my connection to source and to, to universe and to God and to love and all that, that was where I started to really, truly find that 
that as humans, our capacity and our potential is really truly unlimited, right? It's our own limitations that we put on it. And so yeah. shameful, you know, I, I think it's a shame that the word is powerless um, because it's so, I think, especially, you know, for me as a woman, I already felt so powerless and I didn't, I didn't take a couple minutes to really try and figure out what they were trying to say. I was turned off. I didn't, you know, and I, I was very, I, until very recently misunderstood that AA and I are more aligned on this than we are different. Yeah. And I, it does make sense. And I think that the initial turnoff point is the most important part. And, but I would say, you know, um, to me, all the things that you said, just said, make absolute sense. And they're all things I believe about our own powerfulness and our own not be, not relying on anything outside of us to give us power and reclaiming our own. But how do you put that in a single sentence that's accessible? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know. How to me, this? know that you can't fuck with alcohol. I mean, that to me is the clearest. That's what I, it is. It's what I say to, it's what I say to clients, right? Like it's just yeah. one of the first things that I say. Are we still like thinking that we're trying to make this work and fit this in? Or are we, you know, kind of down to the fact that we realize that maybe it's not for us? Yeah. Um, you know, so that's the first part. That, that's how I interpret it. The second part, I, I think, like, is, is also kind of a shame because I think that it's, it's one of those things that really says, oh, this path is really only for people whose lives have become unmanageable. And it doesn't really open the door up to anybody who just is having, you know, who maybe, whose life maybe isn't unmanageable. Or maybe it is, but it's so, that word is so far, you know, so, so deeply far gone from where they're at. Um, you know, unmanageable you know, can be a lot of things. Um, but I also think that it's, it's kind of a pretty extreme word, right? Unmanageable. Um, you know, most, most of, of, you know, my archetype and, and, and we're managing a lot of stuff in our lives, careers, relationships, friendships, social circles, all sorts of things. Um, and, and not only that, there are a lot of, of women and men that I've worked with that have quit before it, where their lives weren't even close to unmanageable, but it just wasn't working for them anymore. And so it's again, kind of this like, you know, it's just, it's, it's language that is like, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's not the best choice of language. Um, it's, I think if, I think I would be, you know, fully on board if it was, you know, we realized that we couldn't mess around with that, you know, that we couldn't drink alcohol and that, um, and that we, you know, and that it wasn't working and, in our lives, you know, or we wanted a better quality of life or something to that, you know, but it's just, yeah. It's yeah. Far. yeah, I, I, I can hear you. I think that, I think that the language could be better in a lot of places, but it, yeah. I don't know. I think. But you're my, a wordsmith, you know, how important language is, you know, that when you, when you put a blog post out, how careful are you about your word choices and making sure that it's, I am. Right. Because but, words can be, they're powerful. They are powerful. And especially when it comes to something like drinking. Anyway, I know. That's, my opinion. that's just my opinion on it. My humble opinion. But. Well, <laughs> your opinion is not humble. <laughs> your opinion is strong and it's important. And what I would say about being... Really is strength. What I would say about being um, a writer and someone who deeply cares about words was that created a lot of bullshit in my mind about how important or the, about the efficacy and the, you know, um, 
validity of the steps that was really truly bullshit that kept me drinking because I thought, oh, I, I was offended by the language, right? And this is one of the, this is one of those areas where I'm just not. I, I do sit in meetings sometimes and there's a chapter in the big book called For the Wives. And if you read it, it's pretty, if you read it and you listen to the words, not the message, it's like, oh God, this, it just doesn't apply. 1930s were a different time, but the message is still the same. And for me, this is one of those areas where I, I don't, the, what I have gotten from the essence of this step of the, of what's underneath it, um, I am able to somehow divorce that from the words that I don't, that don't, they don't, they don't offend me at all anymore. Um, I, do I think there could be, they could be stated better? Sure. But do I, do I, does it, t- does it take away from how, you know, uh, uh, from the practice of it? Zero for me anymore. Yeah. Um, so I that's, yeah. But I have to say too, to that, like the, but that's you, you've gotten to that. It's me. Yeah. There is like, I think that there is a world of people that are turned off or prevented from accessing and because of words, because of those words, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Of accessibility. It just doesn't win. It's not great. Right. And so, so totally. So, so you just like the light bulb just went off in my head. I went to hear Rob Bell, Pastor Rob Bell speak on last Friday. And he, I went to see him speak because Elizabeth Gilbert had, I'd heard of him and I'd seen some of his messages and, um, and Elizabeth Gilbert had posted that she had gone to see him the night before. And it was this like electrifying experience and it, you know, he's on tour and if anyone can go catch him, then they should. And he happened to be coming through Boston that very night. And so I bought tickets and I went and he is, I mean, he started as a pastor, you know, Christian and his, whole thing was about his whole thing is about making the messages of because we need people to interpret these messages right the thing that that the thing about the first step is not a new concept admitting that you are not the center of the universe that you don't have the best ideas about yourself yeah that that you can be led that your ego is not your ideas are are not the truth, you know, that you have, that there is something bigger than you that can help you. But isn't that step two? That is step two. So, okay. So admitting you're powerless over alcohol. So it feels like the precursor to step two, just to say, look, I don't have power over this thing that has a lot of control over me. And what I was, what I was trying to say is Rob, Rob Bell, I'm not, I, really don't dig. I don't go to church. I am turned off by a lot, by a lot of religion. Uh, I don't, I don't dig it. It doesn't hit me. I don't understand it. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't affect me. I can't even like hear the words a lot of times, but when someone says it in a way that I can access, not through words, through the right words, what they're, what is behind it, I can then feel it. Right. So I think that this is the probably the biggest reason why we want to have this conversation is to talk about what's underneath 
or what's not underneath in some cases to see if, to expose some of that, because you can't, you can only do so much through, through the, through 12 sentences, you know? I agree. I agree. And, and that's why I was saying, as I interpreted, I, I agree with it. I agree with the first part. I do. I think that that's, it's an inevitable step along the path and that the spirit of it is you do need to admit that you can't do it, right? That this is not the path towards trying to fit in totally. um, you know, a margarita and, you know, a better life. <laughs> and right. so, I mean, I agree with that. I'm, I'm fully on board with it and that's how I interpret it. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't agree. I, I interpret the second part as saying it has to be certain you know, some sort of certain criteria, I think that, um, I think that you just have to, I think that it just has to be getting in your way and holding you back. You just have to have some, some sliver of concern about it and some, and some, you know, bit of curiosity about perhaps this is not working for me. Right. Instead of your life becoming unmanageable. Yeah. Yeah. So I interpret it as I would, I, if I were to rewrite it, I, I said how I would write it. I would write it in saying, you know, you know, you can't mess with alcohol, number one. And number two, um, you know, that it's just, it's getting in the way of, of where you're going. Right. And, and, yeah. like, and there's, and that's a really important part because so many of us, you know, I read, I was reading in, you know, yoga journal and about how, what there's this yoga instructor and how, you know, she did all this, she does all this stuff, but she still like makes room to keep her glass of wine in it, you know, in her, in her, in her diet. And I just was sitting there and and we, that's, you know, what we do so much to keep that glass of wine in our diet. We do so much to keep alcohol in our lives. And I like, without ever questioning that it might be getting in the way, right. We're just so, so many people, you know, might struggle on a much lower degree than, than you or I have, And still, and it still gets in the way, but we, you know, society says, keep it in your life, keep it in your life at all costs. Even if it's on, you know, even if you're a yoga instructor on diet, you can still drink wine, you know? And so I think like the important part is to lower the bar from it being, you know, you know, in the streets, you know, on, you know, having lost everything and your life is unmanageable. I think it's just a matter of saying, is it working in my life anymore? You know? And so that's how I interpret it is just opening up. So to move along through this, because I think we've gotten a little stuck, um, yeah. did I do this step? Yes, I did this step. I absolutely did this step. Um, not in in the classic, you know, twelve step fashion, but I absolutely will never drink again. Um, and what was it like? What was my experience? Um, liberating, <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm <laughs> um, because I. I think I, I think it was the moment of my, the moment I found freedom was the moment I, I admitted um, that I wasn't going to try and make alcohol work anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> I can breathe. And then the last is, do I think it's necessary? And I agree. I'm a hundred percent on board with you. I think you cannot go further along in your path. I think you can try and you can do all the things you want to do in this world. But if your end goal is to somehow make alcohol work in your life, um, you're, 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 you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. I agree. It's, you know, like, it's just not right. Because, because especially then, especially if it's that important to you, you know, that you're working, you know, you're doing all these workarounds um, to keep it in despite, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I think, um, I think it's the, it's the foundation upon which, which all the other work, you know, happens. Agree. Yep. 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 <laughs> Okay, so are we done with step one? We are, okay. for now, yeah. For now. Um, 
So step two, you want to go first again? Yes, I will go first, but read it. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So the first question is, um, how do you, how do you interpret that? (laughs) Oh, it's so interesting to do this because I feel so differently about this than I maybe did a year ago or something. Uh, I came to believe that a power greater than us could restore us to sanity. The sanity part is a funny word. Um, although I would say being in the throes of active, active addiction is absolute insanity. Um, in, in, you know, there's the saying that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And that is exactly what drinking looked like me for me at, in the last five years, um, maybe longer, you know, um, this, uh, like the, what I just described with the ambient and the drinking, I mean, if that was it, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to start drinking and I'm going to expect that when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to not have done the thing. I've not have taken as far as I did. And every time I did, you know, it, so it is insanity. It's insanity to, to do something that is, going to harm you to an unknown degree oftentimes in my case to you and harm you or potentially other people to a a degree that you don't even you can't even comprehend and do it again and again and again so that's to me that's what addiction is um and so I hear this as yeah it's saying I can't do this myself I need help. And it says a power greater than us. Um, that's where I think people start to get tripped up um, because it sounds like God and it is talking about higher power, but you know, higher power can be to me in the beginning, it was other people in the rooms of, of recovery meetings I couldn't do it really on my own, but if I talked to somebody else, I felt big relief and I could, I could stay sober for a day. And it's like, huh, okay. So that was my power greater than me. And now, you know, and then it changes. I mean, I I know I can't do it alone. I know I can, I'm the only one who really, I mean, there's many moments in a day where it's just me and I have to decide not to drink if I, you know, given the opportunity, but I know I'm also not doing it myself really. Um, so I, I take that as, is that, I don't know if that's so much how I interpret it as. I think it's how you interpret it, but I also think it answers the question of, did you do it? Yeah. And I do. And I do that every day. I do it twice a day. I, and maybe more, at least twice a day, I get on my knees twice a day and that's what it's for you know, help me. And then thank you. And I do that not just with drinking. It's with everything. Like I need help. This is, I'll do my part, but I need help. So these are so they're broken up. So, um, so minutely, I mean, this is also step three too, right? I mean, that's the belief. This is just the believing and not really the handing over it's, and it's hard to not, it's hard to talk about one without the other, but um, right. 
you know, the, the next question is what was it like and, and what is your experience in doing that? And I don't know, I feel like you've kind of already touched on that, um, but I'll let you make that decision. What was it like and what's your experience? Um, the, what, it, what it was like is something that I, t- again, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I don't know if I can explain what it was like because I don't really like think about it that way. I don't know. I can answer that for at the, for number three better, but, um, and my experience of it is again, like very freeing to know that I don't have, not only can I like, do I not, can I not do it myself, <laughs> but I, but I don't have to, like, I don't, even if I wanted to, you know, I, I can't and I don't have to. So believing, I guess maybe the part that I'm struggling with with step two is it says came to believe. And I don't, I never, I didn't have to come far to come to believe. I already very much believed in a higher power, spiritual, you know, existence in my life. It didn't, it was not a stretch for me at all. So, yeah. What about you? You know what? The last question is, do you think it's necessary? <laughs> yes. Yep. I want to know for sure. Um, how do I interpret it? I interpret it exactly as it stands. Um, yeah. It's um, believing in a natural order, believing in a creative force, believing in something outside of myself. I think like, you know, I think I hate, I actually, I have to admit this. I hate the term higher power. Um, or your HP. I hate it when people abbreviate it. What's your HP? Um, I don't know what that is. It's just probably my own shit. Well, it is my own shit. Um, yeah. So I'd say, um, the way that I interpret this is just, you came to believe that there's something beyond you, that you're not this small, finite thing, just doing this on your own. And that was for me, I didn't, I didn't believe I, my mom was my Sunday school teacher. I was raised Methodist and, I believed in a punitive God and I was God fearing and I would just say, sorry, God. And I would, you know, if I said Jesus Christ, you know, if I swore it, I would, I would then, you know, say, sorry, just in case, right. Just in case there happened to be something there. Um, That's hilarious. Sorry. You know, I couldn't have because my life, I mean, my parents got to, you know, my, my dad came out of the closet gay when I was 14. My parents split up. My mom has had eight hip replacements. My life, you know, I had the way I looked at my life up through that point was struggle after struggle after struggle on my own, fending for myself. Life was unfair. It gave me, you know, all of this, you know, it it gave me all of this. And, and also I had just come to believe, like I said, that this was just it. Like we're meant to like I just I was in this like this has got to be a joke this has got to be a joke that this like you mean that this is all there is yeah this is all there is um and I oh god I, I won't even go into it but uh it was an accident that I came to believe that there was something outside of me um, in the way that I do now. And it's just, it's so weird. I mean, if you would have asked me before, I would have always said, I'm spiritual. I'm not religious, you know, because that's what we said. And, um, you know, and I do yoga and I, whatever. And I had no idea any of the spiritual components behind yoga, which are, is now, you know, which lays, which now lays like, you know, Vedic philosophy is probably, you know, one of the pillars of my, of my faith. Mm-hmm. But I just, for me, it was, I, the words came out of my mouth and I don't know how else to explain it. And then the miracle started happening. And 
Mm-hmm. Deepak Chopra says this really beautiful thing um, that the the root word of miracles is mirari, which is M-I-R-A-R-I, I think, um, Latin, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. just means to observe with rapt attention. And what I what I had not seen around me before was the all of the miracles that had led me to that point, right? Totally. And how many times my angels had saved me. I'd been in 10 car accidents. And I had never, ever, ever gotten a DUI or been, you know, or been report or, you know, I'd never, and not saying that that like, thank God I didn't get in trouble, but I'm just saying I could have died so many times. And so many times. So many times. And there were so many stupid things that I did. I mean, I got hit by a car in, in Cancun once, you know, and like, I just, I hitchhiked and I, oh God, you know, and I went home with strange men and I just, you know, I did just stupid things. And I should have died so many times. And what I hadn't seen that I began to see after I asked for help, because I did, that was my prayer was like, please God help me help. Mm-hmm. help. And then it was just like, it was Mirari. It was, I beheld with rapt attention. And I remember a couple, like maybe a month into it, I was like the whole story of how I figured out how to stop drinking was just like weird thing on top of weird thing on top of weird thing. I mean, like that morning that I fell on my knees, I left my apartment, I came back, a guy that I had worked with moved into my building that morning that I asked God for help. He was in my lobby. I was so hungover. And I was just like, what are you doing here? And he was (laughs) like, I live here now. And he was like, do you want to go for a walk? And I was like, sure. And then we went for a walk and he said, Hey, tell, you know, tell such and such this one thing. And then I told such and then I ended up on a BART train with such and whatever. The whole chain of events is crazy how it got me to the book, which got me to the next book, which then got me, you know, going out with my friend, the whole thing. And I was at, I was at, um, I was at whatever, something, I was at a bar one night with one of my girlfriends when I was sober and I was telling her, I was like, and then this happened and this happened. And she was like, that's great. And I was sitting there and I was like, she doesn't get it. It was a miracle. And that was before I even understood what a miracle was. Yeah. And I think for me, that was just it. And then I just, you know, then I started reading all this stuff and Eckhart Tolle spoke to me. Right. And I started to feel my angels and all these other things. And so like the, the whole reason that the impetus of, you know, because I tried to quit drinking many times, right? For 10 days or whatever. I tried to quit yeah. hot many times. I tried to do lots of things. Um, but I'd never really enjoyed it or felt like I'd been on a mission. And all of a sudden it felt like I was on a mission and there was, there was like, you know, coming to believe that there was something. My, my, my mission in life was to understand what had happened to me and how come it had switched so quickly and how come I could wake up in the morning and believe in something. And it wasn't like a thunderbolt. It wasn't anything immediate, but it was just this collection of clues that yes. I was alone. And all of a sudden, like this, this like very, very big, like, oh my God, like this mm-hmm. is. So anyway, long story short, I interpret this as saying, you know, that you, that you come to believe that you're not alone. Like that, I guess it's the difference for me is, was believing this is it, this is just it, you know, and, and saying like, oh my, you know, oh my God. And then hoping that if you took the Lord's name in vain, it really wasn't going to send you to hell. So (laughs) believing that, I was going to, uh, that I was okay. And that I was not, you know, and which has led to, I mean, I'm by far, I mean, I, I, I keep it, I keep it under wraps 
how spiritual I am. And, and I don't do a very good job at it, even at that. I, I am so fully in belief that, that I'm not alone um, to, mm-hmm. the, to the far end of the spectrum of it, you know, which I don't, I'm the same as you, not religious, but, um, but yeah, I, I interpret this as you, you, you come to believe that something is outside of you, that it's not just Holly on her own, you know, that Holly's actually been, you know, held and carried yep. time and again. So yep no that's it's perfect and it's it's true and I had you know similar very similar experiences in a lot of ways of I said it when you you know in our the first episode where you interviewed me about the biggest surprise has been waking up to how to God really how how closely I am held and all of these things that were happening before that I just didn't see because I was unconscious half the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it's just, I think I've answered most of it and to move through it. Um, I will say this, this is the the surprise and the shocker. I think you can gain sobriety without this step because people do. And I think that you can take a pill and not drink. I think you can do a lot of things to not drink. But I well, think- okay. So are you talking about sobriety as physical, not yes. drinking, just yeah, physical just sobriety? Not drinking. Yeah, I do. Um, because don't, I mean, wouldn't you agree? Don't you know people that have somehow managed to not drink, but aren't, you know, running around and, and talking about their higher power, that there's something bigger outside of themselves? Do you not know an atheist who's been through the steps? I do. Yes, I guess I know one or two. I, I, what, I, I guess I don't totally associate being spiritual and having some kind of a higher power with the steps only. I don't know anybody who's sober and happy. Yeah, there we go. That's <laughs> that. it. That was what I was going to say. Um, I think that you, I think that the wonderment and, and that the bigness of life came um, you know, from, from the realization of, of, of many things that's predicated on the belief that it's, that we're not just here to work in cubicles. (laughs) We're here to like, man, like live these lives on our own and not, you know, that we're, it's, it's, yeah, there's, um, yes, I don't even need to say more. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. So step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Yeah. Um, made a decision to turn our will over to the care and of our God lives. and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. So this is, this is the, this is a big one. Um <laughs> <laughs> so okay start at the beginning so have I what's my interpretation of it that's right um this I think is one that I have only I interpreted I couldn't I didn't know what this meant um I knew what the words meant I know what intellectually what that means but I did not know really what it meant or how to interpret it until really, really recently, like maybe in the last month. Um, you know, I knew, yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn your will and your, you know, your life over the care of God. No idea how you do that. How do you let go of your will? How do you let go of your life? I don't know what that means. So I could say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand it. 
but I interpreted that as something very, um, I don't know. It's like, it made me feel like when I went to church as a kid in to Catholic church and it was like, wah, 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 you know, (laughs) I just didn't, it didn't resonate with me. And this is coming from someone who felt very spiritual, even as a kid, I just don't, I didn't understand what that actually meant. And the reason I couldn't understand what it meant is that I hadn't done it. I hadn't experienced it. I haven't had the causes and conditions for me to have to experience it. So it's hard. How I interpret it now is, um, is that if, this is a hard one, uh, that I, if I turn, you know, making a, a decision. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I, how I interpret it now is the key part of that is a decision. Mm-hmm. every day, a decision, a real decision. And I do this 10, 15, 20 times a day to say, I'm, I'm giving this to you, this relationship, this drinking problem, this uh, money problem, this ache in my heart, my, my inability to feel forgiveness towards this person, my hatred, my lust, you know, I'm, I'm giving this to you. I don't know how to do it. And, um, not because I'm powerless. I just don't know how it's bigger than me. I can't do it. I'm giving it because I think that you have a better plan. I think that you, God, you universe have a better plan than I do. So I'm going to give it over to you. And that's how I interpret it now. That is seriously recent, like really in the last month, truly in the last month. Um, and then care over to the God, God, as we understand him, that's an easy part for me to, you know, that, that just means your God, whatever your God is. Um, so do you want me to, is this a good time to say what my God, what God means to me, what God is to me? Um, cause we're going to throw it ar- around a lot and we have been already it's important to establish. Yeah. I think since we're in the interpret it, how do you interpret it? Yeah. Part of that interpretation is, um, to you, what is your God? Okay. So when I, when I think of God, I don't think of, I don't think of God in the, um, as you read about in the Bible, I don't, I, I experience God. I don't have an image or a thought of what God is in my mind. I have an experience of God. And my experience of God is uh, that everything that I... I experience God when I look at my daughter. I experience God when I look at the ocean. I experience God sometimes when I'm doing yoga and running and my body works, I experience God when I, I connect with another human being in a way that is transformative. I experience God when I go to meetings, uh, 12 step meetings. Um, it's a vibrational thing, I guess. Um, something it's, it's bigger than a feeling. Um, but because we don't have language for, you know, feelings is how we express (laughs) these sensations or whatever. 
it's a, it's a vibration and it feels like love and peace to me. You know, it feels, um, like home and it feels like, um, my essence, you know, like when I don't, when I'm not in my ego place where it feels like I, that, that God is the part of me that is the same as the part in you, you know, that is the same, like when we strip all that away, I can feel that. Um, so that, that's what God is to me. I don't think of God in terms of, you know, what I read about in the Bible not that I don't believe those stories and I don't believe that those messages are beautiful and true. Um, but I, I can get the same, you know, I can get more, I get more of a hit of God when I read about the Buddha. And when I read about, um, when I read the Cor- a course in miracles, you know, I, 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 I get, I, I feel God that way. So it's much more of an experience for me and it's kind of everything. Um, I don't hold an image of it as a man or a woman. It's more of a, an energy that I feel. So that's, that's what God is to me as best as I can describe it in the words, which is not great, but it's what I've got. No, I think it's perfect. So the next part of the question is, did I do it? Do I do it? Yes. Now I do it. I didn't know how to do it. It, I couldn't access it for, for a long time. I would say that I had done it, but I don't, I hadn't really done it and felt it through till, till recently. So, and do I think it's necessary? Is that the the last bit? What what, what was it like and what was your experience? Oh my God. I mean, what is it like is this is where it all is for me. Uh, I mean, you get into step four and five and those are where you start to do work with things, you know, the contents of things. It's not so abstract and conceptual. It's much more. Yeah. It's, it's the work. It's the, it's the content. You're working through the content. Um, like you do in therapy. <laughs> this is more, you know, for me, this is where the magic really is because I had thought my, my entire life really that I, needed to do thing, everything on my own. I really, when people, when I first came into sobriety and people said, ask for help, I didn't even know what that meant really. What does that mean? I say, ask for help. What do I need? Do I need you to call me? Do I need to, what does that mean? I didn't know how to ask for help. Um, I had learned how to do things on my own. Like you had, like most of us have, you know, you learn that you do things on your own and you get things done because you want to, and you have the will to make it happen. And this was like, this is the most liberating, beautiful, uh, like gorgeous experience, humbling experience to, to say, I give this to you. I don't have to figure it out. And, and what's better than that even is that there is a better plan and actually believing that because you know this once you yeah. once you test this right you yeah. and and once you've lived long enough to see that if you had followed through if your plan would have worked out you wouldn't have let you wouldn't have landed where you did which is you see in hindsight is so 
perfect and so divinely uh, assembled and orchestrated for you. No, my not, into, oh no, yeah, right. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm like so overwhelmed. Keep going, keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, and that, yeah, my plans were, you know, and it's not because we're stupid, but we kind of are. Like we're not God. We're not. We're not we create ourselves. We didn't we, create all of this. We didn't create ourselves, and we don't. You know, we don't know what we're we're as human beings the human experience we are Pima Chodron says it all the time we're very we're not very smart about what's actually going to make us happy because we confuse pleasure with happiness and that is at the crux of addiction right you chase the pleasure which feels like a little bit like happiness but you know I would have chased a lot of pleasures and things that I thought were going to make me happy and thank God those things didn't, I, I didn't get to do that in a lot of cases or, you know, and you can get much bigger than that too. I mean, you can look at, at, at deaths, you can look at some of the really difficult, nasty shit that you've been through and say, of course I would have, I, I would have never chosen that. And it's not, it's not even for your benefit, like, so that you can be, oh, no, it's but not, it is. It is for your, I mean, I'm, it's for your benefit. It's for your benefit, so that we all, because we're all growing, we're meant to grow in, in, into love. I mean, ultimately, you know, I guess we're meant to grow into love and ex- the experience of love, but we have to be taught that way. And we wouldn't, we would not choose our lessons. You know, we would not choose the things that become our lessons because yeah. they would be painful and shitty and not what we wanted and not the way we thought things would work out. So once, you know, I really, someone, oh my God, this, I love this. Someone in a meeting, a guy that I'm really good friends with said, when he came to, to AA, he was spent, you know, he, and he basically said, when it came to step three, uh, I'm at this table and I'm going to, and you know, picture me taking my, my pile of chips, which is everything I have, all my plans, all my thoughts about what it should be, all of everything I've held on to and pushing it all across the table and saying, you play it, God, it's yours. I can't, I, I don't, you know, it's yours. Yeah. And what, what that felt, you know, what did that feels like, you know, can feel like defeat or whatever. It didn't feel necessarily like that to me, but it, you know, it can seem like that. And you realize I started to see this really beautiful dance between me and God. And that if I really truly gave things up, especially around relationships, you know, uh, that it was, it was going to, that is that there was a better plan and it, and I, I didn't know it and I couldn't know it. (laughs) And, uh, it's, it's been the biggest, brightest, most profound, experience I've had thus far on, on this journey. And the most freeing, right? I mean, just the most, to to not have to hold it all up. Right. Right. And that you just can't like, you just have to play God. You're not playing God and, and thank God, you know, thank God you don't have to play God. Thank God I don't play God. And it's so freeing and it allows you also to just be 
you know, just be, I don't need to dig for something inside of me that I don't have. I don't have to find. It's like, I'm going to let you solve this. I'm going to give it up to you and I'll do the work and I'll listen to you. One of the things, and then I'll stop. But one of the things that I say is like in the morning is talk to me in a way that I can understand. Show me in a way that I can see. And I, and I'll, and I will listen to you. (laughs) Um, And that's what this is to me. You know, that's what this step really is to me is, is relinquishing your will um, so, and then the last is, do you think it's necessary? How do you feel about it? <laughs> yeah. So this is interesting though. Cause if you relate it to, do I think it's necessary to be sober? No. Do I think it's necessary to be, this is where it starts to elevate to me out of sobriety and into a path to just being a m- more enlightened and more free human being period do I think it's necessary for that yes I do I don't I also don't know any sober people that are happy and I don't mean happy in like the I hate that word in a lot of ways and I've talked about that I don't but whatever there's not a better word for it maybe free happy content um that don't rail against a lot of aspects of their life or their minds that don't go through this process. So that's mine. Well, that's a lot. And I have to say, I agree with, I mean, I I don't think there was a point that you said in there that I wasn't aligned with, you know, I mean, it's just. And that's awesome. Experience is different, but that's, I mean, I think that's, it's, I, I think like, hello, like it's to me, this is the biggest part of it, right? Not just believing. I think believing is big, but I think, um, and there are, there are some, you know, I'll get into this and I'll, I'll explain where there's some, there's a small difference, um, in how I see some, like the first part of it, but you and I are so aligned on, on how we live our lives. Um, and, and Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean the, the rule books and the playbooks are exactly the same, but it means that the, the bigger picture at the end of the day, not, you know, like the big, the big important stuff, um, is the same, right? Which is why I think you and I have such a, a you know, just a, a deep and uh, understanding of one another, right? We don't. There's no words that need to be exchanged. We don't have to sit sit around and explain to each other, um, you know, some of our deepest beliefs. And that's it's just kind of, you know, it's just it's just I I know that I know that about you. You know, I know that about you through your writing. I know that about you through through everything. So yeah, and also that's that is what is you know the at the crux of this all and if we can align on that, you know, the rest is like I don't know, personal preference and <laughs> so all right. So I interpret this just a little bit differently. I think turning our will and our lives over made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Um you know, just to kind of go into, and I guess I should probably also just preface this with how I understand God, very similar to how you did. Um, you know, it took me a really long time to build a case for this, even though I understood it and I believed it. I had, I had trauma just from the, 
I, you know, I rejected so, so viscerally this idea of, you know, I'm, I'm a monotheist. I believe there's one, one for all, right. There's not, there's not just my God, your God, his God, her God. You know, I don't think that they're, I don't think that, um, you know, the Jews have it right, or the Christians have it right, or that right. one, you know, that's that one of us figured it out and the rest of us are all, you know, going to die. Um, and burn in hell forever. I think that there's just, there's one source, one, just one. Um, and that it appears differently to each of us so that we can better see it. Right. And so, you know, I think for me, because I had such a bad taste in my mouth about God, um, and I had an even worse taste in my mouth about Jesus. I think a lot of like, I think what's really funny for me is that a lot of my understanding, um, of, 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 my of my god has come from actually you know because god was it was easy for me like figuring out that there's just one that was something that i kind of had my suspicions about my, my family was quite liberal you know growing up my mom was my sunday school teacher i had my suspicions that we weren't you know that we weren't right at the cost of other people um and yep. I, you know, God was, that was easier. The miracle stuff that I just talked about when we were going over to, that was easier for me. What's really funny is my sticking point for a really long time was Jesus Christ. And I was on this mission to figure out what, what, what it was, right? I wanted to, I'm intellectual, very intellectual. And I really wanted to be able to, um, to work it out in my mind in a way where it just didn't feel like, you know, of course, Moses parted the Red Seas. I didn't want to just take everything <laughs> at face value. Just right. because. And I started going to church because I wanted to feel spirit in any possible way I could. I was just like, as Gabby Bernstein would say, I was a spirit junkie. I was like, I couldn't get enough of it. And I would take it from any way I could get it. Right. I mean, I bought, um, I bought every possible spiritual, you know, inroad. I bought a Holy Bible, right. I went back over the Bible. Um, yep. and for me, it was really about trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing. I don't know why, but Jesus was my sticking point. And I think it was because I started going to this church and I had a girl say to me, one of my friends, she kept on asking me, I would be in pain over something. And I was actually going through Kundalini training and I was being exposed to Sikhism, right. And I was kind of mm-hmm. at some point, you know, in my extremism considering becoming a Sikh, right? And I took on a spiritual name. My name is Sukh Indrakar. You know, I have a, I actually have a, a spiritual name and I was, you know, kind of considering at some point, like, you know, wearing all whites for the rest of my life. And that went down the toilet very quickly <laughs> as most of my extreme ideas do. But I really, I was talking to this, my friend one day and we'd been talking over and over again and I got Jesus. Like I understood him and I loved him, but I was also in my mind, like, well, Jesus is a person, right? Like he walked the earth, he died, he came back right. in spirit. Like he's not my God, he's a brother. And I had that suspicion before I got into A Course in Miracles. And for me, I kept on going to church and my friend said to me one day, well, I think you're suffering because you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Oh God. I see, I don't understand that language. I still don't. No. And I was just like, I, and I kind of looked at her and that was probably the last time we went to lunch. Cause I just, it was, it was too much. And, um, and I was like, well, that's because I don't think he's my, my Lord. I don't, I, I think that he's a brother. And anyway, long, long story short, my inroad to really fully understanding what my God was, was by understanding Jesus. And I understand Jesus through A Course in Miracles. And I understand Jesus through like the Gnostic Gospels of Thomas. And I understand a Jesus that's very Buddha-like, that's even more Buddha-like. Um, you know, and, and this is my, my interpretation. I am not set out to offend if I'm taking anybody's, you know, 
anybody's idea of Jesus, you know, and tarnishing it. I, you know, that's not my intention. My intention is just simply to say, this is how I came to understand. And this is what I believe. But for me, it was just, um, when I started really getting into a course of miracles and I really started to understand why we're here and we're here, you know, in, in my mind, you know, Jesus was, was, is the medium is the, is the, is the one that, that, you know, is able to help us understand what our relationship is with God and why, and what we're really all here to, and what we're really all here to be is, is not Jesus Christ-like, but is to be Christ-like, which means, you know, we're all really truly here to be selfless and be in service and be love. And Mm -hmm. that this, you know, and and for me, this idea that I'd had forever of this punitive God and of this punishing God, and that we're meant to like, you know, uh, you know, and and, and atone, you know, we must atone for our sins. We must get on our knees and beg forgiveness. And, um, you know, for me, it became much more clear that that's a waste of time. And that really the shortcut is to realizing that no matter what we've done, that we're always redeemed and that we really truly are made of love and that we're really all, we're not here to hold one another in guilt. We're really truly here to be love. And so for me, my understanding of God is it's, it's, there's no words for it. There's just not. I know. I know. Understanding of it is just that the, the easiest way I can say it is that I think we're here just to, 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 to break through this, this false nightmare of a world that we're in and the illusion that we're separate and to remember who we are, right? Like the first blog post I ever wrote was titled, we, we already know everything. We have only to remember. And Mm -hmm. I just believe that, that all of us, all of us, every single one of us, no matter what we've done, no matter what we've done, and that is inclusive of everything you can imagine, are all redeemed already. And that the and that the nightmare is that we can't forgive one another. And that the nightmare is we don't know who we are and we don't know the the depth and the gold and the the beauty that we that we truly that we have within us. Um and so it's really it's hard to put words on, but for me, it's just love. At the end of the day, we're here to we're here to remind each other of our goodness. We're not here to hold one another in judgment. We're here to remind one another of our goodness, especially when we have fallen, especially yes. when we forget, especially when we do horrible things. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I mean, it's just that's it. You know, for me, it's kind of like the the point is. I don't need to necessarily know more than that. I just need to know what my role is here. And my role here is to be in service. And so bring that brings us back, you know, so that's my idea of it. I mean, I, I find God in everything just like you do. You know, there's this quote by Yogi Bhajan, which is, if you can't see God in all, you can't see God at all. And that is true. And it's not just in these special places that I find. And I find God in, in the typical, you know, in the usual suspects. Like I find him, you know, I find God or, and I always say him, I don't know it. That's fine. God, the omnipresent being, the creator, the force, whatever. I find God in Roman churches. Like that to me, I like, I'm going back to Rome for a very specific reason because I love going to churches and praying. And I'm not Catholic and I'm not Roman, but I have a rosary and I love, you know, and I find God like you in yoga classes and yoga postures in meditation. I also find God in some of the worst, you know, I find God on the streets of San Francisco when I see another human being helping another human being that's, you know, being, yeah. uh, yep. you know, that, that is in need. You know, I see God in every possible thing that you can imagine. Um, and so I, you know, it, it's anyway, so 
to me, it's just, it's everywhere. It's omnipresent. It's, you know, and, and again, I only like for me, I really don't have to know much more than that. I, I can find more about it and I can connect to it through A Course in Miracles, which I do on a daily. Like, that's probably my primary source, but also through, through yogic texts and yogic studies and through other people's interpretations and from hearing words from you and hearing words from, from other people that are figuring it out, right? Like the case is not closed. It's just, it's, no. you know, the question is never answered. It's just a, a kind of ongoing quest to know more. Um, but I'm happy with what I know now. I'm happy with what I feel and what I believe. So skipping yeah. to, you know, how do I interpret this step? Um, it's just basically exactly as you said, you know, which is, there's this quote by Marianne Williamson that is, I, I am, I am not the faucet. I am the water. And, and that's, that's the best way I can sum this up. Right. Which is, I am just here to be a vessel for what needs to come through me. Um, for me, when I first started out on this path, I, you know, my prayer was just, please put me in service. Like, please help help heal me, help make me good. And that will, you know, contradict some things I'm going to say in the beginning, but the prayer was make me good, God, make yeah. me good so that I can go out and I can do what I need to do. Um, and that was before I knew really what I was praying for. That was just, that was it. I was, which is like the best part. It's, which is fine. Like your prayer can be whatever. Don't you think? Oh God, it can be, it absolutely can. There's no right, wrong or right way to ask for help. But, but that was it in the beginning it was just, for me, it was, it was, please make me good and please put me in service. And so, you know, I have a hard time with it saying, you know, I, I handed my will, I turned my will over because my will is my personal responsibility to keep the channel clear, right? My will is, you know, there's that, the, you know, the serenity prayer, which also comes with AA is how I would rather interpret this step, which is give me the courage to do the thing, you know, to, to do the things that I can or control the things that I can and the wisdom to know the things that I cannot and or whatever, you know, I'm going to, botch it because I don't say it that often, but that to me is much more in line with how I feel about this step, which is that we do, of course, we have our own will. That's what we were given. We were given free will and we can use that to miscreate, which, which I did for many years, but we mm -hmm. can also use it as a source of good. And so I don't believe you hand your will over just as you, because that's what you were given as a gift, you know? And so I think right. that's another kind of, you know, whatever, but I also think that, you know, for me, the, the interpretation here is that, exactly as you said, which is just, I, my, my job is to keep the, the channels clear. And, um, you know, and for me, how this shows up is my prayer is, is thy will be done. Right. Which is, mm -hmm. you know, similar to the one that you say, which is show me where to go, show me what to say, you know, and to, you know, and to whom, or, you know, whatever the course of miracles one is. But for me, it's really thy will be done, which is yep. just make me a vessel of your peace. Please just make me, you know, take me to the places I need to go to do the things I need to do. Help me keep out of my way. Exactly. So Fuck it up. Please just show me how to do what I need to do. Um, and I promise you in those moments when I'm freaking out because I don't have a good man or I'm freaking out because <laughs> I'm worried about paying my rent or those moments where I'm freaking out about not having health insurance or all these, these, these things that I worry about. Um, it is in those moments that I just like, I can remember, I can remember, I don't have to bear it, bear this. And there's this other, like this other really great you know, uh, thing that came out of Marion Williamson's talk last week, which was, um, got like, I think it was, oh, I'm going to mess it up, but it's, you know, in the, in the voice of Jesus Christ or God or whoever's speaking through a course of miracles, do you not think I would give you a duty to fulfill and, and no tools to do it? Right. And so right. my trust comes from that, like, 
And I know this sounds so uber religious, this does, but it's, it's just not, it's just the belief system that I have, which is I'm here to do a job. I'm here to not get in the way of that by, by worrying about myself or my, you know, how, how many people like something on Facebook or yes. whether or not I am going to make enough money or I'm going to have the house I want to have, or I'm going to be able to, you know, the, the, the thing at the end of the day is not, please God, give me the boyfriend or please God, you know, like make him call me back or please God, will you, you know, can you just up my income a little bit so I can get out of that apartment that I hate? Maybe I'm supposed to be in that apartment for a little bit while longer and I can't see why perhaps I'm supposed to be single for a much longer period of time because there's a much better plan in place. But the prayer is never give me this exact thing because I know so well that this thing is going to make me happy. It's just, please change me into a person that can accept what you're giving to me. Please allow me the strength to be able to see what it is that I need to do. Please allow me to, to be okay with, with whatever it is that's unfolding and give me the strength to just write it and to do the best thing that I can possibly do with it. You know, it's not a prayer of make me popular, make me rich, make me, you know, five pounds lighter, which is my prayer sometimes. Right. (laughs) But it's, you know, at the end of the day, the prayer that makes me happy is the one where I give up and I just say, just work through me. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, God, if you want me to be poor and bankrupt and out of my apartment and fat and, you know, not married, if that's my role, then I have to say there will be a part of me that ends up being okay with that. If that's Mm -hmm. what you need to do to serve this world, I doubt it. But if that's where we're going, if that's what's needed, I'm okay with that. And that sounds crazy and martyrish and, you know, whatever, but it's true that it comes down to if you, if this is what you need then that's fine. Then we'll go that way. But, you know, but I also, I need it, you know, like my will is still here. I still keep working my ass off. I guess I just, at the end of the day, I let go of the outcome. Right. Yep. Like I just, I give it up because I don't, I'm not the smartest person. I'm just not. I um, Well, nobody is. That's the thing. I mean, nobody is. And all I hear from it, the be- uh, all the things you said were uh, awesome. And, and I know in, you can feel how much you, how how much passion you have for this. I think it's get me out of the way. Like that's really what it is. is get, Get me out of the way. Let me not be, let this not be about me. Right. I mean, I had this like a real perfect example of this is I, you know, I was, I was in yoga last year and I was, I was in the middle of, um, I had to teach an asana and I'm a terrible vinyasa yoga instructor. I'm, I don't teach it. I took, I took the training and I, had to teach it. And the teacher basically said, this is not about you. Right. And it comes back to being the faucet or being the water, not the faucet. This is not Mm -hmm. about you. And when we start to make this about us, Oh, please let me just be better at this. Or please just like, you know, don't embarrass me or, you know, I mean, like the truth is at the end of the day, you just shut up, you do the work and you don't make it about yourself, whether you're great at something or whether you're horrible at something has nothing to do with you. I mean, it it does, but yeah, go ahead. But what, but what this, if you bring it back to sobriety and not just physical sobriety, but emotional sobriety, when you, you realize when you don't do that is when you suffer, Yeah, you know, that that's when you suffer and there are a million ways to suffer, but it's, but in, you know, every time I think it's about me and I get, you know, my ego puffs up and I feel really great. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it feels great for a minute, but I, but it's not where the, 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 um, it doesn't really keep me sober, honestly. Like, not that I'm going to, that I drink, but it doesn't, um, 
I just, I don't feel right inside. And, and that to me, so it's all, it is, it's all like, get me out of the way, get me out of the way. And that is a damn far concept from what I ever thought before. Never would I have thought to, that I would be saying that or wanting that. Well, it's not even, it's a concept I think that's, that's, that's earned over, over, over many times of failing by wanting a specific outcome and a not working, but also earned over, over the amount of, you know, like, I don't think you and I just stumbled upon this. Concept. No, you, and it's, I had to read you got, it and hear it so many times and not hear it until I finally did. Yeah. And you get right-sized by life, you know? Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. I love it. There's this, well, I don't even know if this is appropriate, but it's been on my mind recently. It's just the thing that kind of keeps running through, which is none of God's children are special and all of God's children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course in miracles. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So, I mean, that's, you know, to kind of wrap it up, uh, you know, it's basically, that's how we interpret it. Did I do it? Yes, absolutely. I didn't give my will over because I still have a decent amount of personal responsibility and I've got to meet it halfway. Right. I know mm-hmm. I like what is under my control. I do my best with, I do. And what is not, I give it up. But the point of it all is I am a vessel. I, that is it. I am, I am here to do work. I'm here to serve. Um, what was it like? What was my experience? Um, a very long journey, a lot of church going, a lot of books, a lot of, a lot of, of just letting something flow through me, a lot of faith, a lot of questioning, you know, but also just what was it like? Um, it was just like, I guess. Yeah. It's like that, right? <laughs> like that. Um, and then do I think it's necessary and how do I feel about it? Again, I think it's, I do think it's necessary. I don't know many people that are happy that haven't come to, that are still praying for him to call them back and praying for him and praying to be a size 26 and praying for, um, you know, the, you know, the condo and you know, it's just, I think that I don't think that a lot of happy people are running around um, thinking that they're running the show yeah. <laughs> or, or believing that they're running the show. Yeah. Right. Unless they're, unless they're that far gone. But I just, I don't think that's true happiness. I think true happiness comes from, I think true happiness. And this is not, you know, again, you could get sober without doing this stuff, but I think like to be happy. And like I said, like we started this conversation out, I needed to create a life that I didn't need to escape from. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, if it wasn't, if it wasn't drinking and I didn't do this work, it'd be something else as you know, as is shown anyway, that it's been something else. And I've had to keep on, you know, whacking the mole until like there are no moles left to whack. But I do believe that like creating a life you don't need to escape from means, um, you know, not, you know, relinquishing a lot of control over the life you are living. And that is where my happiness comes from when it's not working out. I have a God box, right? And it's, it's this, I think it's an Anne Lamott thing, but it's the idea is whenever there's something that I can't control. And for a while, every night it was money, right? Like the stuff that I was worried about, right? You know, starting my own company, it was money, money, money every night. Mm -hmm. But the stuff that I was, that I, that I just knew there was, I had done everything I could. And at some point I had to give up, you know, writing on the piece of paper, the things I cannot worry about. And I just, I give over, I throw over the fence and I say, you handle this. Like that's happiness to me. That's freedom to me. Like not having to worry about every last little thing. I'm not a neurotic anxiety. Like, I mean, I am, but not to the extent that I was, I trust and I have faith. And I know in the end, 
that it's it's it is as as it should be you know and if it's not then I'm not saying that I'm missing something well yeah yeah okay well I think that's good I think stopping uh there feels right to me even though it's significantly longer than we anticipated um yeah I think that's I think stopping with three tonight um feels right I do too. And I think, um, this is, you know, this is going to be something that we continue on. I don't think we're not going to do these step, you know, delving into the steps week after week until we get to 12. I think we're going to break it up a little. Yeah. So we can, yeah, lighter subjects and you know, it's, it's a lot, it's heavy stuff and it's, uh, I think we need, we need some space between it. So our next episode will be about a different topic. And then after, you know, a couple will return to steps four, five, and six. Yeah, that feels right. That feels right. So, all right. I think with that, we can let this very long and very wonderful conversation um, go. All right. Good night.